Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. Well, then I guess there's only one thing left to do. What's that? Win the whole thing. Yeah. Michael Preston. Second year in a row we can use that speech from Major League. I don't know if I used it last year, but uh, that would kind of go against my whole laziness thing to go and check. Although I suppose I did. Maybe I did. Someone go back and check for me. Welcome back to the Kook Center Hour off a bye week. We hope you enjoyed your weekend off. We did with a trip to Ikea, so you know we did not. Uh, Theo Lawson from the Spokesman Review going to join us here in a little bit. Gaby Lucas from UW Dog Pound also going to be here to talk about the Washington Huskies on this Apple Cup week. And for the second year in a row, uh, the game really means something. At least for one team, it really means something. Because Washington can't qualify for the Pac-12 championship game. I don't know if you knew that, so I just want to make sure you knew that, Pac- that Washington can't qualify for the Pac-12 championship game with a win uh, in this Apple Cup. They can certainly play spoiler for Washington State, though, who can and will qualify for the Pac-12 championship if they win the Apple Cup. But not Washington, they can't because they would lose the head-to-head to Stanford. Um, but it is still cool for the second year in a row that, you know, last year you were guaranteed a Washington team in the Pac-12 title by virtue of both of them being at the top of the Pac-12 North and nobody could catch them. And this year, you at least have a chance of another Washington team being in the Pac-12 championship game. That would be pretty uh, gall darn neato. And I think it would be probably the first back-to-back teams and like, you know, like we would consider together uh, in the Pac-12 being in there. Maybe UCLA and USC at some point. But UCLA was also in that first one by virtue of the fact that USC could be in the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, I am usual, as usual, I should say, uh, am nervous about this. And historically speaking, you have every reason to be. Washington State has not won a lot of these football games. They just, that's how it's been for over a century. Washington State just does not win this football game, uh, very often. And last year when they had a chance to go to the Pac-12 championship game, go to the Rose Bowl... They just flat out got their butt kicked in the first quarter. Looked completely unprepared to handle the Washington Huskies offense. Looked completely unprepared to pick up yards against their defense. And as we'll talk to Theo about here in a little bit, I wonder 
if that extra week gives them any advantage whatsoever. Because as he'll point out, uh, their record in coming off weeks in which they did not have a game with Mike Leach at the helm is not very good. They have not been good after bye weeks under Mike Leach. So can they turn the tide on that? Can they change things up from having the extra week to prepare and losing games generally? Can they use that extra week to focus and to really game plan and nail everything down? I'll tell you the one advantage they do have over Washington this week is that none of the football players at Washington State have schoolwork to worry about. None of them have class to worry about because the week off uh, started last Friday night. So they have a week off for Thanksgiving break. They don't have that to worry about. But after that Utah game, and we didn't have a show during that bye week because I believe in everybody taking a bye week, the Luke Falk of overanalyzing things, of standing in the pocket like a statue, of looking, 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 looking for the perfect pass. He did throw, try to throw some receivers open in that game. And I'll give him credit for those throws. But we got back to that Luke Falk that we saw in the Boise State game, that we saw in the game against Arizona. We got back to that Luke Falk, and it took yanking him for Tyler Holinsky in both those games to make him realize who he is again. He played that whole game against Stanford. I thought he played a good game against Stanford. His yards per attempt average was a little low, but he wasn't afraid to take those deep shots. UW has some injuries in the secondary that make it a little easier than last year to do that. But I still think you have a quarterback who is hesitant, a quarterback who is doesn't know his own strength, that by this point, you just should know. Don't think about it. Throw the football. And you have that against a very, very good Washington defense. And it's weird to say that in this Apple Cup, both of these teams are carried by their defense. A, you didn't expect, I don't think, the Huskies' offense to take quite so big a step back as they have taken this year. And B, you certainly didn't expect the WSU air raid offense to kind of, as Brian Anderson likes to put, taking a Ferrari out and keeping it in second gear. And that's what it's felt like all year. The word constipated that Mike Leach used is not an an inaccurate one. Who would have thought coming into this game that these teams would be led by their defenses, led by a defensive player of the year on one side for Washington State and Hercules Mataoff, and again led by an excellent defensive line for Washington, Vita Vea and Greg Gaines. Who would have thunk it? I certainly would not have. I certainly expected the Washington defense to be good. They're good until further notice, no matter how many guys they lose to the NFL draft. I just It's kind of like with David Shaw and Stanford. They're, they're fine until they aren't. The Washington defense is good until it isn't. The same way that this game is, it just feels like, it feels like doom and gloom until it isn't. That's just been the perpetual, (laughs) the perpetual feeling for me. And I know it sucks and I know it sucks to be, you know, down on it, but you get nervous. Because last time there was this much on the line, it was 28-0 at the end of the first quarter. In Pullman. Last time that they had this much to play for, the team absolutely stunk. 
absolutely stunk. And it seems to be this constant bugaboo of not being able to play to their potential against a team that, yeah, while they're your rival, there's not really an excuse to continue to play as poorly as they have against them. Uh, There's not really a reason why they should be doing that. So it baffles the mind as to why they can't just come out prepared. And, you know, if you're going to lose, fine, lose. But don't lose by multiple touchdowns. I mean, there's a reason why I, I, you know, and I don't know if I saw this, but I know some people might not be a big fan of the fact that WSU came out a nine-point underdog against Washington, a team they outrank. I have no problem with that. Given their road record this year, given Washington's home record, given just the recent history of this series, those 2008 and 2012 wins were flukes. It took the biggest comeback in Apple Cup history, thanks in large part to some really bafflingly stupid penalties on Washington's part in 2012. And in 2008, those teams were so horrible that... Is that even really a win? I mean, yes, it is. It's still one of the greatest football games I've ever watched, just for its crappiness. There's a reason why they called it the Crapple Cup. But it, it they seem to have trouble getting up for this game, or maybe they over-prepare and they, you know, there's such a thing as trying to do too much, trying too hard. And I worry about freshman linebackers playing in a very hostile environment in Justice Rogers and Jihad Woods. Justice Rogers should know exactly what this game means to his football team. Jihad Woods, fine, he doesn't. He's from California. I get that. But Justice Rogers should know exactly what it means, and I worry about him trying to overplay. Isaac Dotson, too. Any of these guys from Washington, you worry about them. Are they going to try to do too much? It is... A it is it is a scary prospect to walk into this game knowing that your rival stands over there on the other sideline and the only thing keeping you from the Pac-12 championship game is them. Now, if you win that game against Cal, it's not. <laughs> but actually, no, it still would be. But it is a frightening prospect. It is a scary prospect to go into this game knowing that. You know, Washington doesn't have anything to, left to play for. They they legitimately don't. They can't make it to the Pac-12 championship. Probably the best they can hope for is the Holiday Bowl at this point. Maybe the Alamo Bowl if they aren't interested in Stanford. They don't have college football playoff. They don't have a New Year's Six Bowl to play for anymore. They don't have that. All they have left to do is to ruin Washington State's season. And I don't know about you, but if I were playing on that team, that'd be a pretty big motivator for me. I would come out with my hair on fire. This offensive line for Washington State is going to be tested against that excellent defensive line for Washington. Luke Falk is going to have to make decisions quicker than he has in a, in a while. That Stanford game with Philip, you know, with uh, Phillips up front, it you're going to have to make decisions about that quickly. It is a frightening game to look at and realize, you know, that, again, all they have, all they have left this year is to ruin your season. That's all they have. That is frightening. That is a frightening prospect. And it it bundles me up in nerves even more than this game ordinarily would. 
And I, you know, if you imagine you're a ball of nerves, imagine what a ball of nerves they are. And I don't know how athletes do it, how they forget things, because I know I certainly couldn't, and that's probably, besides being the most unathletic person you'll ever meet, that's what prevented me from, you know, competing at all. But they, it, it, it sounds stereotypical, it sounds dumb. Play loose. Play fast. The defense knows how to do that. Play loose. Play fast. Have fun. Because I, I, I feel like if you get wound up too tight, you're going to, you, you, you try to overdo things and you, you try to not make mistakes and those lead to bigger mistakes. It almost leads me to the conclusion of don't think of it as a rivalry game. Just know that this is the team standing in the way of your appearance in the Pac-12 championship. Don't think about who they are. Don't think about what they mean to your fans. They are in your way. So get them out of the way. Play loose. Play fast. Have fun. Because I can guarantee you, you did not have fun the last couple of years in this game. You did not have any fun in this game the last couple of years. I think if you can do that on Saturday in Seattle, you can win this football game. And I don't know how this suddenly got to be a personal speech to the football team, but if you can do those three things, you can win that football game. You can. And I will be in North Carolina three time zones away, running up and down the streets without pants on. And everyone will wonder why there is a man running around at 1130 at night with his pants off. And I will be very happy to explain it to him. Theo Lawson from the Spokesman Review joins us next here on the Coop Center. Center hours. One of my producers hovers right below me. He's very happy to have our next guest back here, the beat writer from the Spokesman Review, Mr. Theo Lawson. He'll be in Seattle covering the Apple Cup uh, from the Cougs' point of view. I, I wouldn't call it a point of view, but he covers the Washington State Cougars. Uh, you didn't really get a bye week because this is crossover season, right, Theo? Because you know basketball and football. So everybody else got a bye week, including this show. We took a bye week. You didn't get a bye week, though. Yeah, not, not quite as much. I uh, was able to skip out on one of those basketball games. Uh, they had three home games, and I conveniently booked my flight back from Salt Lake City uh, Sunday afternoon so I, so I could miss uh, the Texas Southern game. Of course, that ended up being the best of the bunch, so I, have, <laughs> I had to miss that one. But uh, got a little bit of a break Sunday, and then was back at it Monday. <laughs> Did you get red iguana, though, while you were in Salt Lake City? Because I've, I've only heard like the best things about it. It's like the best Mexican food this side of the Rocky Mountains, apparently. 
No, I missed it. I missed uh, it. I, I got some got some good Mexican in Tucson earlier this year, though, so it's yes. setting upset. I was about to say, yeah, that'd probably be a little better place for Mexican food <laughs> in Tucson, yeah. Arizona. Uh, so, how do you th- just give me your general overall read on this team because they've been they have been practicing a little bit uh, in the bye week, and they will practice a little bit this week. They're going to head over uh, here on Wednesday, I believe, or on uh, on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, ahead of the game just how how is the team looking feeling sitting at nine and two uh so far this season yeah they, they seem fresh and they seem rested and, you know you, you always just assume that the fresh legs are, are a good thing but when you kind of look at this team's track record and then uh, off weeks i guess when you look at the, the record in, in games uh kind of where, where they've had more than a week to prepare i think four and 12 over mike leach's tenure so yeah having a week off hasn't always uh gone so well for them although theoretically a week more to prepare for the huskies a week to, to get rested so um they seem focused they, they, they say they're healthy um kind of everything you want to hear but you just have to wait to see kind of how, how it translates uh haven't done so well coming off by weeks you know, one and two in, in bowl games and of course uh mm-hmm. season openers haven't always gone so well so you, you wonder how it translates translates this week i'll get this question kind of out of the way early because i I know there are some folks who always think that for the players you know this means a little extra something special a rivalry week against washington but so many of these guys are from california elsewhere in the country it doesn't you know yeah you know they get that it's the rival but they don't you know really get that it's the rival do you do you get a sense of any like any of that on this team because i don't blame them for one thing if they don't you know they they don't know they didn't grow up in washington and in this rivalry, but is, is there more of a sense in this, in the coming up to this week that there's, you know, obviously there's a sense of urgency. They need to win this game to win the PAC 12 North, but is there any extra kind of bite to that urgency given who the opponent is? Yeah. It's funny you say that. And I've kind of mainly spoken to, to Washington guys the last few weeks and spoken to, to Cole Madison who, who grew up a, kind of a, a, as a Husky fan and mm-hmm. grew up in a Husky family and then became a Cougar and, of course, UW didn't offer him, and, and that, that didn't sit so well with him. So, um, And then you talked to Isaac Dodson, who obviously grew up in Bellevue and yep. grew up around a lot of Huskies and, and played with uh, guys who would, would end up playing at, at UW. So um, but there are quite a few guys on this team who, who are excited to play in the game, who, who understand the meaning of the rivalry. Um, a lot of the seniors who, who maybe aren't necessarily from that area but, but have played in the game enough and, and, and want to beat the Huskies for the first time. So... I think uh, as much as Mike Leach tries to kind of downplay the rivalry aspect of it and treat it like any other game, um, the players know what's up here. And, 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 you know, I think you can still stay focused and then kind of use the the, uh, the motivation and then the rivalry aspect mm-hmm. of it to, to kind of feel, uh, feel yourselves up before the game. I'm more, I'm more surprised the guy who gets a $25,000 bonus for winning the game treats it like just any other game. <laughs> that surprises me. He gets a check cut to him if he wins the game. But, hey, it's any other game, right? Uh, Mike Leach, how happy, unhappy was he with Luke Falk after that game in Salt Lake City? Because I think a lot of fans were pretty frustrated seeing you know the old over-analytical Luke come back. He did throw some deep balls to receivers that you could see that he was – you know, he was confident his receivers could go get, but really holding the ball in the pocket, again, a really low yards per attempt average. He stayed in the game the whole game, so obviously Mike Leach thought he was the guy that, you know, best suited them to win that football game, but how do you think he's feeling about his, his quarterback coming into this game? I think, he, I think he felt like he managed the game well enough. Of course, he would have liked to see them punching the ball in some of those red zone situations, and they're not going to be able to, to win the Apple Cup if they can't score more of those those, uh, yeah. those touchdowns deep, deep in uh, deep in Husky territory. So I know that was a problem in, problem in last year's Apple Cup game too. But I think generally, I, I think he was pretty happy with Luke, and I know it was an emotional game for Luke, and 
being back home and, and kind of ha- having to handle all those uh, those expectations and at the same time trying to keep uh, WC kind of alive in, in, in the Pac-12 race and mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of stakes in that game. So I think uh, you know I, I'm sure Mike Leach wasn't too pleased with the uh, the red zone conversion you know rate, but at the same time that they won the game, he ended up playing a, a decent game. Didn't really make too many critical errors, so mm-hmm. I think when you when you look at the the, the the body of the game, you know I, I think he's probably happy with it, and, and Luke played well enough to win it. Yeah, I think he probably has to play a lot better to win the Apple Cup. This is probably a weird question to ask, but do you think he wishes they would have run the ball a little bit more? And I and I hesitate to ask that because I'm of the, you know I I don't like to say balance for balance's sake because in this offense short passes of course are thought of as runs. And they can be in this offense. But do you think that Mike Leach kind of wishes they'd handed the ball off a little bit more to Jamal Morrow, James Williams, and Gerard Wicks? Yeah, I'm not sure if you, I'm not sure if you'd say that even if even if you did. But uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I think when you look at just, uh, it seemed like they were getting six or seven yards a pop every time they ran it. And, and Jamal Morrow has really been a great player for them all season. And you wonder what they would have been able to do if, if, if uh, the running backs have gotten the ball more, especially down in the red zone and, and, and you know maybe been able to capitalize a, a few more times so mm-hmm. i think that's maybe something that they look at going into the apple cup and then really trying to use you know jamal morrow you only have him for a few more games he's so versatile and and, and really kind of uh plays with the heart and then and, and we're going to play with the emotion that you want and, and and really just a productive player in, in that run game and, and then we all know what uh, james williams can do when mm-hmm. when he gets free and um, i think he's still eluded more tackles than almost anyone in the, in the this year so yeah. um you wonder if you wonder if they, they do use those two although the huskies are going to have a, a pretty uh potent front seven and um i think they might stack the box a little bit we'll, we'll see what happens but i think it all it all kind of just depend on the on the defense and that's what that's what mike leach said after utah utah had had, had a tough front seven and, and I, I think they felt like they had more opportunities throwing the ball and um trying to get the receivers involved mm-hmm. i the defensive performance, you know, two, you know, we're almost two weeks away uh, or removed from it, but I'm, I'm still astounded by it because I, you know, even though they gave up 25 points, I don't know that I've seen a performance like that from a WSU defense ever. Certainly, turnover wise, even counting Jalen Thompson's last second interception, that was what seven turnovers they forced in that game and gave WSU, you know, those short fields you talked about. Uh, between elated and over the moon, how happy were they after that game? Yeah, they were they were happy. You kind of mentioned they, they gave up a bunch of points. Didn't maybe feel like their best defensive game of the year, considering they have had two shutouts. But mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, you can't be more happy with seven turnovers. And, and I, I think had those more of those turnovers turned into touchdowns on, on the other end, I, I think we we would probably be saying this was by, by far their best defensive game of the year. Um, you know, Alex Grinch before the season told me this team gets 24 takeaways over the course of the season, two per game. He believed that they would win nine games, and it's kind of a formula that they've been using uh, here at Washington State for, for the last few years, mm-hmm. and, and Alex Grinch has been using it for the past however many years he's been a D.C., so um, you kind of look at 27 uh, turnovers now through through uh, 11 games and, mm-hmm. and nine wins, so it kind of works out perfectly, and that's that's what this uh, this defense has done, and that's what they want to do every game is, is get a bunch of takeaways, and, and they, they, they've been lethal, and I think... Uh, if you're if you're picking anyone but Hercules as, as your defensive player of the year right now, I, th- I think it's it's probably a mistake because he's he's just been sensational and yeah. that that was probably the best game of his career, uh, I guess easily the best game of his career and uh, and he he just seems to be a player who's, who's gotten better every game and um, kind of everyone everyone in that system is thriving from from the secondary to to the middle linebackers who 
uh, still two freshmen playing a lot of playing a lot of snaps there, mm-hmm. and um, they've really really adjusted well, and, and I, I think really kind of look up front, and, and even Daniel Aquali is playing really well, Hercules mm-hmm. and, and, and everyone on that front. I wanted uh, we'll t- we'll talk about two guys kind of that I'm worried about leaving early. We'll start with Hercules Mataafi here. If you had to rate it from one to ten, one being nope, he's definitely coming back for senior year, to ten to nope, he's definitely leaving for the NFL draft. Where would you kind of put it uh, for the redshirt junior? I think uh, I, I think if you, you said if one is him staying. Yeah, I, I, I think he probably put it at a three or four, just because um, you know a, a lot of people talk about his, his position at the next level. Is he going to be able to, to to play on the defensive line? Is he going to have to transition to a linebacker? Um, I, you know, I, I can kind of see him maybe playing something like a rush linebacker, one of those kind of hybrid positions where he's playing a little bit of both. But you know, I, I think he, he may, may may need another year to kind of uh, not, not develop necessarily, but but uh, you know, I, I don't think another year in the weight room would necessarily hurt him, and, and maybe he needs some more time to kind of figure out what that position is going to be at the next level. I think he'll certainly have an opportunity to leave if you know if you're the best defensive player in the Pac-12. I think you get drafted no matter what. So mm-hmm. I, I think a team will, will, will latch on to him and, and find a way to use him. And I think he's going to be uh, – I think you're going to be able to use him in a few different roles. And, and maybe he does get big enough to where he can play on the on the defensive line. Um, he, he's, he's so quick already. So I, th- I think he I think he probably stays another year, although that could, that could certainly change with, yeah. with a few really good games here in the next few weeks. If, if they have an opportunity to play in the Pac-12 championship game, uh, I'm sure a lot of scouts will be there. So – uh, we'll kind of see. I'll, I'll put it at a three or four right now. It could, could change to a six mm-hmm. or seven by the time the bowl <laughs> game's over, though. Another guy, Alex Grinch. Uh, you know, it, this is uh, the things he has done with this WSU defense. I, I admit, when he was hired by Mike Leach, I was very skeptical of it, considering he had no experience as a defensive coordinator. But as it turns out, as usual, I know nothing about football. Uh, he's come in and absolutely transformed this WSU defense into basically the unit that has propped this team up this year. Uh, he's going to be a hot commodity this offseason for other defensive coordinator openings and some head coaching openings, I would have to imagine, right? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I, I think uh, I, th- I think he wants to be a head coach eventually. I'm not, I'm not sure if he wants to do it this, this year. I, th- I think uh, he's the kind of guy that's going to wait for the right opportunity. He's not just going to get uh, you know a, a mid-level kind of uh, head coaching opportunity and then take the, the first one he sees. I, I think he really will wait for the right opportunity. And maybe the right opportunity kind of presents itself this season and, and, and he's gone. Who, who knows? But um, he'll, he'll have a chance. And, and, and more than being just a great defensive mind, you know, mm-hmm. what we've seen the last few years, he's, he's kind of a great manager, a great leader. You see it during practices. He'll, he'll get on get on players just like uh, Mike Leach would. So I think he kind of has all, all the right tools to become a head coach. Uh, we'll kind of we'll kind of have to, to track the openings and, and see what, what what positions are open and what uh, what he would be interested in potentially and um, if if even you know if, if he would be interested at all we're not really sure we haven't really uh, brought that up to him yet mm-hmm. I know he he would just tell us he, he's kind of focused on on what's happening right now at Washington State but it's something to keep an eye on for sure. I know that uh, you know Luke Falk is kind of you know Mr. Quarterback quote and that he's not ever going to say anything that doesn't fall out of the norm for a quarterback and whatever else but do you get any sense that his preparation's changing at all this week given that he had that extra week uh to kind of watch film on UW and I I I think I worry about him getting overly analytical about it having all that extra time to look at it because it seems to me when he operates his offense and you know on feel that's when he's throwing the ball better as opposed to when he's really over analyzing things and UW is a defense that can make you over analyze things does he is he changing his preparation at all for this game, or is he still just going about it the same as he would uh, any other game? 
Yeah, well, it was interesting. I was talking to Cole Madison last week and kind of asked him about, you guys have an extra week to watch film. Do you, do you take advantage of that, or do you, do you kind of just tell yourself to stop it at, at a certain point and you'll pick it up the next day? Um, he said, yeah, you know, the, the team's pretty good at, at, at stopping and, and, and really spacing it out and using, mm-hmm. using the extra time but not overdoing it. And then he said the, the exception would be Luke because Luke uh, overanalyzes everything and, and, and spends a lot of time <laughs> watching film. So mm-hmm. I think Luke's probably spent quite a bit of time in the, in the film room this week, and um, he, he understands what, what this game means, and he's never beaten the Huskies in an Apple Cup and didn't play in this game two years ago. So his first time playing at UW. I think I, I think he probably is going to have a tendency to, to want to want to watch a, a little bit too much film, and, and that, that's just kind of the player he is, and um, he's always been like that. I, I think the key is, is just when he gets into the game, not, not trying to overanalyze situations. And I think you can spend as much time, time as you want preparing before the game, but you kind of get into the game and you have to stop play the position and um, and and take some chances and, and get get rid of the ball when when you have to. So. I th- you know, I, I think it's. I, th- I think he's going to be preparing a lot. I, I think mm-hmm. it, it just kind of comes down to in the game. What, what's he going to do? Is, is he going to be uh, the, the Luke Falk we saw against Arizona, against Cal or Boise State? Is he going to be the one that we that, that we've seen uh, you know elsewhere throughout the season, or he's, he's kind of just uh, playing the position like like Mike Leach wants him to? Do you sense any extra apprehension with this team? Because you know, obviously, we talked about earlier is you know there's a lot more at stake for the second year in a row than just a Apple Cup. There's a division title. There's a trip to the Pac-12 championship on the line for one team. Uh, <laughs> um, there's, a, you know, there's a lot more at stake in this game than you know just what it normally would be. Do you sense any extra nervousness from them, or are they just being typical football players and telling you, no, this is normal, everything's fine? Yeah, they, they, they seem like typical football players. You never know what they're what they're kind of thinking about beneath, beneath the surface. And uh, talking to Cole and, and Isaac, um, you know, they, they they're they're clearly aware of, of what the game means and and what it means uh, for them as Seattle guys and, and for them as seniors and, and, and the senior class that, that uh, this is kind of the last thing that they have to accomplish. And then, uh, well, then potentially maybe accomplish another thing a, yeah. a week from now. But um, they know what the game means. I, I think playing in this game last year with, with, with all the stakes, I think probably helped them. They have experience. It's a, it's a veteran group. You wouldn't really expect them to fold, uh, considering the, the circumstances attached to the game. So um, I, I think them, them just being a veteran group, I, I think, helps a lot here in this situation. So we'll see how it plays out. You never know. They, they, they seem pretty focused at, on the task at hand. And um, but, but again, you know, they can say all the right things, and you, you never really can tell. I'm sure they said all these things last year. I was covering yeah. the team, but then you saw how they, they performed in that game. So mm-hmm. it, I think we'll have to see, and uh, I, I think it, a lot of it's about matchups and how they match up against this UW team. And, and uh, you know, we'll see kind of how it plays out once they're on the field and, and you know, p- playing beneath, uh, you know, 70,000 UW fans. We're about, uh, you know, we're a few days away from the game here still on Tuesdays. We record this, uh, but WSU about a nine-point underdog right now. Uh, for me, that seems about right, just given the his- the series history uh, at Husky Stadium and how they've been playing lately. I have no problem. I know some other Cook fans might have a problem with it. I certainly don't. Uh, if you had to give me a prediction right now, just on the outcome of the game, you don't need to worry about the spread, but if you had to give me a prediction right now, pretty early in the week still, but what do you think? Yeah, and, and kind, of, kind of going back to the spread, I, I, I think uh, I think when you just look at the matchup and, and kind of take away the history, I, I think it, I think it's a, a little closer than nine points. But mm-hmm. I do understand the history and, and, and what 
UW has been able to do in this game and specifically at home. And um, I, I, I think that I think the spread makes sense from, from that standpoint. But yeah. I, th- I think it is going to be a close game. You know, I, I've always kind of given UW the edge. I, I think when I made my season prediction, uh, predictions, I gave them the edge. I, I think it can be a tight game, but it's just hard to, to pick a team that hasn't won this game in, in so long. And, and, you know, UW, of course, is a strong team, and, and I'm mm-hmm. sure they want to take away uh, – the Cougars' chances at, at representing the North in, uh, in yep. the title game. So um, I, I think they still do have quite a bit to play for, um, a little less to lose maybe than, than Wazoo. So, I, I, you know, I, I think it doesn't end up being a close game. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a particularly high-scoring game, so I can see it kind of being a, a 24-21 type of deal. But uh, I, I, I think early on, I, you know, I, I know the Cougars have had this, this, this week to prepare and a week off, but um, I, I think I think the Huskies probably pull it out by, by just a hair. I'm confident if it comes down to the kicking game, I'll tell you that much. Theo Lawson from the Spokesman Review. If you're not reading this stuff covering this team, you're doing it wrong. Thanks, buddy. Thanks a lot. On the Coug Center Hour, we've talked about the Cougs already. Now we need to talk about their opponent, the special opponent this week, uh, in that there's going to be plenty of yelling and screaming at Thanksgiving tables all across uh, this great state of Washington this week. And to preview the Washington Huskies, we're going to talk to Gaby Lucas from UW Dog Pound, our sister site that covers the Huskies. Uh, first of all, Gaby, I think it's 9-2 uh, and two for the Huskies this year. Uh, in an ordinary year, that'd be pretty darn good. But coming off of an appearance in the college football playoff, uh, losses on the road to Stanford and ASU, and that loss to Stanford, of course, eliminated them from the Pac-12 North uh, contention. Give me just kind of a general feeling about where where UW fans are at this juncture in the season. Yeah, I think part of it, uh, it feels a little bit kind of like we're limping to the finish, But mm-hmm. and I think fans have sort of have caught up on that uh, after the Stanford loss and after just getting by Utah. Uh, but, yeah, so I think, I think, I think one, a lot of people uh, underestimated probably some, some uh, components of, of the offense that we were losing, even regardless of John Ross. I mean, he stretched the field a bunch, and so mm-hmm. obviously that made everything way easier. Um, but I think, uh, so I think the underperforming, somewhat of the offense relative to expectations has kind of hampered things. Uh, still, though, it, it even just statistically and efficiency-wise, like, uh, it is a really – it is a way better offense than I think uh, even, like, UW fans are giving it credit for mm-hmm. because we were so spoiled last year. Uh, and I think there's been some glaring issues that people have latched onto, which are kind of like with the criticisms of Jake Browning are totally valid, but people get really dramatic about it. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think I think sort of the people's somewhat disappointment with the offense has been a, sort of a shadow over this season and sort yeah. of probably affects a little bit 
disproportionately how we view it. Um, so there's a lot of, I mean, also on the internet, you every every fan reaction on the internet is overblown times ten. So hmm. so there's a lot of uh, craziness, but then also people being like, hey guys, we should probably chill out a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and except that this is still a really great season, even under Don James, you know, a two lost season or a three lost or whatever, like that happens. <laughs> so yeah, I think that would be probably the most accurate way of describing it. Because, yeah, I, I was about to say, because I wanted to get into this, we might as well just do it right now as well. This is not the only Pac-12 school in Washington with at least a modicum of wanting the backup quarterback at times. You know, Jake Browning hasn't been pulled from a game like Luke Falk has been twice, but there's at least, you know, nothing from the coaching staff that I've seen to their credit because they, they have not taken Jake Browning out of any game. But there's at least some, you know, some little screaming and yelling for Jake Browning to be taken out of the game. And as you said, the most popular person on every football team is always the backup quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, like, if you just scroll through, like, the UWDP Twitter mentions, uh, after any even remotely not perfect game by Jake Browning, it's just, like, the cesspool of people being like, Jake Browning's terrible, we hate him. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's really, I mean, I just, it's such a tough thing as a fan to evaluate if a coach is making the right decision and playing whoever and blah, 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 um, because we notice so much more about, I think, the um, deficiencies of any given player than what they do really, really well. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that's a big part of it as well. I mean, there's absolutely things that he should be doing better, but I mean... The things he should be doing better is probably less glaring than the things that most your average college quarterback would be should be doing better. Much like Luke Falk, you know. Yeah. I think people have been like, "Oh, he stays in the pocket too long. He's not whatever." But you know, I mean, you take that and then you trade him for any quarterback across America, he's probably fitting what we're doing better than anyone else. Unless it's yeah. like I don't know. Baker Mayfield or someone. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not grabbing his crotch as much as Baker Mayfield. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the other, yeah. I, you talked about, you know, obviously the loss of John Ross, I think, had a, a bigger impact than I think anybody really, uh, you know, thought it would. Uh, Chico McClatcher also being hurt, if I recall correctly, not helping things either. So Dante Pettis, really the guy uh, on offense in terms of the receiving core. We also still have Miles Gaskin uh, in the backfield. But the injury bug has been biting a lot harder than I think some people realize for this UW football team this year because there's been a lot of guys that, you know, besides just the normal, you know, dings and, and bruises, a lot of guys have been out for the year with injuries. Yeah, for sure. And that's, it's just so, yeah, it's kind of one of those things where, where you can't, after all that happens, you're like, well, that sucks. And, and mostly there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, except for strength and conditioning, but our, uh, Tim Soha, the strength and conditioning guy is like, fantastic and no one questions that but yeah especially in the secondary and on everywhere in the offense um Mm -hmm. i mean with chico chico he he wasn't like as big of a part of this offense as we were kind of anticipating going into the season so when he got injured it it sucked um but it wasn't this crazy huge blow Mm -hmm. it was it was mostly because the the wide receiver depth is not that good right now so just losing him and losing a veteran kind of blew um the other interesting one that stand out is, uh, at least on offense, would be Trey Adams, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I mean, he, he's one of the best offensive linemen we've had in a very long time, which, I mean, it helps that our standard
defenders were so low for like 10 years and we had terrible offensive linemen. But he, yeah, I mean, that just stinks losing a potential All-American and mm-hmm. all that. But it's it's interesting because the, um, the offensive line, I would argue, is probably underperforming relative to what many people were expecting going into the season. Mm-hmm. And then he got injured. And who knows? I mean, no one would argue that losing Trey Adams made the line better because that's absurd. But it is interesting to see that for whatever reason, they have been playing kind of where we expected them to play going into the season after his injury for for whatever reason. Uh, And so that's not obviously not a positive thing that he got injured, but it, it is interesting that his injury has affected that unit much less than mm-hmm. I would expect. So, yeah, and then the secondary has just gotten torn up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I was, I was going to say, because, you know, d- despite those injuries defensively, this is still the best uh, defense statistically uh, in the Pac-12, and it's not really close. I mean, despite uh, WSU's improvement on that side of the ball there, and the, the rare occasion, which is weird this year to be saying, the rare occasion they're going to be playing a better defense, they are going to be doing that uh, on Saturday at Montlake. So it, there there still has to be a, a pretty good level of satisfaction with the way the defense has played this year, despite some of those injuries. Yeah, absolutely. I think also their help, uh, one, the, the depth in that secondary is, is insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Lake has been really good at both recruiting and developing people to be so much better than any of us were expecting, um, which I feel like it's really hard to get a coach that is good at both those things. Uh, and then also they've been helped a lot by, I think, especially up front. Uh, I mean, with Bea and Gaines, having those guys attack a quarterback for you. I mean, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're a defensive back, that that's going to make your job a bit easier. <laughs> yes, it will. Yeah. Uh, and also the, the pass rushes, it started out, um, started out the year was one of the weaknesses, easily probably the weakness of the defense, but it's gotten pretty much steadily better as the year's gone on. So mm-hmm. that's helped as well a lot. But yeah, um, I think against Stanford and Utah, we were kind of seeing the effects. Like, finally, we were getting so many injuries uh, in that part of the defense that we were finally kind of seeing the effects of it um, as far as not being able to rotate guys in as often and losing Jordan Miller and losing both of our starting cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, Byron Murphy was back for Utah, but you could tell he was rusty, so that yeah. sucks. Is there what 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 do you think would be uh, your biggest area of worry? I know special teams in terms of the kicking game uh, is a worry for Washington fans, just kind of constantly with Tristan Viscano's performance this year. But if there was one area, either offensively or defensively, you were really worried about uh, in this game against Wazoo, what would it be? If we exclude just the kicking game, because that's just kind of independent of you know what the other team can do to them. Yeah, I'm glad you say exclude the kicking game because if you didn't, that would be way too easy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I'd probably, I'd probably go with uh, Jake and the offensive line going against Hercules mm-hmm. Alpha and, and all of that that you guys have going up front. Just because, I mean, that's worrisome for any offense and, and especially uh, uh, with, with how much off and on difficulty Jake has had with just being decisive and getting good throws off, uh, especially under that pressure. I mean, that would definitely pops into my mind as something that's going to exacerbate an issue we've already had. 
so yeah, I think that would probably be the first thing I'd go to. Yeah. And if there was uh, one thing you were kind of more confident about, uh, you know, given the WSU matchups, what would it be? Um, I think if, if you had asked me that question two weeks ago, mm-hmm. I would say the amount of, of quick passes that Wazoo does sort mm-hmm. of plays very well into our strengths. That being said, against Utah, they just did like slant after slant after slant, and mm-hmm. the angles and tackling was much worse than we've had in the past. Um, so hmm, that's a good one, though. Yeah. I think I think I would go with again Vita Vea, Greg Gaines, uh, as well as Tevis Bartlett and Ryan Bowman and the other guys we we rotate in for the pass rush. I, I think if this whole game, I think it's going to come down to the whenever our whenever your team or our, my team is on defense getting really excited about the defensive line. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think, yeah, both Wazoo fans and UW fans, I think, will probably not have a, as fun of a time on offense mm-hmm. uh, as we would like. I don't think uh, Chris Peterson leaving, well, you know, leaving UW uh, is, is a threat at all anytime soon. But are there any coaches on that coaching staff you're worried about? You know, we're worried about Alex Grinch uh, in Pullman. I think rightfully so. The guy's going to be a very hot commodity uh, after the season is over, is there anybody you're worried about on the UW coaching staff uh, looking elsewhere? Because there are going to be uh, quite a few very good openings uh, throughout college football this year. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, the name that always gets brought up is Jimmy Lake uh, again. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, he's done a great job and everything and whatever. Uh, but he, yeah, so I think I think that would probably be the one that everyone worries about. I mean, we've worried about him for the last two off-seasons. And he hasn't gone yet, but, you know, I mean, you can only hold on to, to guys uh, and assistants for so long unless yeah. you, whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I'd say off the top of my head, he's probably the number one. Mm-hmm. The, the one thing that the, the, that the Huskies have going for them is that he, I mean, he's, his title is, I think, is defensive backs coach slash co-defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the one thing they have that is in their advantage is that he isn't, he hasn't really even had a coordinator job yet. So, I mean, that sort of helps a little bit because you're probably not going to get that guy. Probably no one's going to look for him as a head coach without that. Yeah. Um, having taken that step and for an assistant, he's getting, I don't know exactly how much money, but quite a bit. Uh, so, I mean, if some other school were to offer him as a coordinator, that would, they'd have to, be you know poning up quite a bit um, compared to say mm-hmm. if you're cutting some other guy who had been a, a position coach. Um, but still, I mean, probably I don't I don't know how long mm-hmm. he'll last with us because he's just really really good. Kind of like Alex Grinch. Kind of you know you're in those situations as a fan where you're like just watching the clock tick down and yeah. waiting for them to go somewhere else, which sucks. But but yeah. He would probably be my main one. Hey, if a guy, mean, yeah, if a guy deserves it, he deserves it. I mean, and Alex, I, if Alex Grinch left, yeah, it'd stink, but it's not like the guy doesn't deserve to uh-huh. take whatever job he wants to at this point. I mean, you know, it's you know, he's he's a really good defensive coordinator. We know that for yeah. sure. Um, if you, I know we're early in the week here. We're pre-Thanksgiving recording this, so uh, still early in the week. But if you had to give me a prediction for this game, because I I can see it going two ways: it's high scoring or low scoring, kind of nothing. I don't really think anything like a 30 to 27 game. I think it's, you know, either we're going to see like under 30 points or we're going to see like an explosion of points. Uh, what what do you think is going to happen this Saturday? And uh, and give me a winner. I know inherent biases and whatnot, but go ahead and <laughs> yeah. give me a winner. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right. I, I'd 
sort of go more into I'd, – I'd be more prone to say it'll be more defensive, which if um, – Either of us, I think, told two, the 2012 versions of ourselves <laughs> that this is how the Apple would yeah. go in mm-hmm. five years. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably say I hope it doesn't come down to a field goal uh, for obvious reasons. Um, probably. All right. I'm doing some math in my head. How many field goals can we get in there? Um, yeah. <laughs> probably like seven, you know. 21, 24, 24, 28. Yeah. I, I, I guess something like that. And obviously I think, I think the dogs will pull it out, but I think, uh, I think it really depends on a lot of little things. And I think this will probably be the most competitive game we see definitely in the last while. I just sure. like, I, I just don't want to be uninterested after the first quarter anymore. That's all I ask. Gaby Lucas yeah. from UW Dogbound joins us here on the Cook Center. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thunderhead of the week time. Before we get to that, again, our thanks to Theo and Gaby for joining us here on the Coop Center Hour. I, I spent uh, the, the Utah game weekend in uh, Lake Tahoe celebrating a friend's birthday. Uh, we were staying at, at Harrah's uh, on the Nevada side of uh, the lake. And we got a gamble on uh, Friday night after we had a delicious dinner. And I sat at a roulette table, and before you give me any crap, yes, I know that the odds are not there. It's very high house odds. I know that, but it's easy when you've had a few cocktails to just put your chips down and not worry about it. There's no thinking about it. Normally, what we like to do is we like to put $5 in second, third, and third, third. So from 13 to 24, and from 25 to 36, we like to put our money there. Again, about a 4% house advantage, but... You have fun, and it's whatever. Saw a table with a $5 minimum, got up there, put my $5 out there, called it good. The croupier says to me, sir, it's $25 outside. Where does it say that? Oh, right there. He points to, you know, the little thing that shows you what the minimum maximum is at the table. In very fine print under the minimum, it says $25 outside. Has this ever happened to anybody else before? Where when you walk up to the table, they will literally tell you it is, what is that, quintuple? It's quintuple the price to play outside. Or like, I, I suppose you could do that at craps if you wanted to play the pass line. They might double the price or whatever, but I've never seen that either. Anyway, $50 later. <laughs> I 
should have just gotten up and walked away. I should have done it, but I was mad. And that's what they're counting on, right? They're counting on you getting mad. They're counting on you doing that. And I got angry. I shouldn't have stayed there. I shouldn't have put $25 down on each one because I promptly lost it all. That was very dumb of me. But still, don't pull this double-handed crap of, oh, it's a $5 minimum, but uh, $25 outside. Needless to say, we did not gamble at Harrods for the rest of the weekend, despite staying in that hotel. They have a tunnel over to Harvey's across the street. Much better. I highly recommend that. And uh, if you're going to Tahoe, however, the best sports book is in the Hard Rock. Harvey's sucks. It's terrible. Hard Rocks is definitely the best. Hardly any seating, but if you're if you're going up the you know if you're going up there to gamble, we were just doing it because our friend lives in Reno, and you don't want to just stay at your house on your birthday weekend. But uh, I don't I don't recommend the sports books up there. But if you have to go to one. The Hard Rocks is the best. Ask Michael anything time. Ask me anything. At a Rathburn 13, Ants Giving. What is Falk's best game-winning drive and why is it 2015 UCLA? It's either that or it's the Oregon game from that year, right? It's either of those. Well, I guess I guess that wasn't a game-winning. It was game-tying drive uh, at the end of that game. But I, I, it's got to be either one of those two. But if we're going to say winning, yeah, it's UCLA. At Coogs. Can't say this word. F the Huskies. Over, under on Jake Lock jerseys plus starter jackets in Husky Stadium. Uh, what is that seat? 70,000? I'll say 2,500. Over, under 2,500. That seems pretty reasonable. At K Dudley, our own Kevin Dudley. Do you want Chip Kelly back in the Pac-12? No or hell no. I'm going with third secret option. Hell no. Hell no. No. At Big Red Z10, Zach Langdon, best menu item at the Costco food court. The Supreme Pizza. I like vegetables on my pizza. Feel free to at me if you disagree with that. I love that slice of pizza. You can go hot dog just because of the value. Buck 50 for a soda and a hot dog's really good. But I like the pizza. I've not, I haven't had the chicken bake yet, so maybe I'm wrong about that. But that hamburger they make, it's like $5. It doesn't look... Very good. Doesn't look very good. We got two of these questions at Ben Wyman. We'll ask it from him. Top five Thanksgiving meal foods. Number one, pumpkin pie. Number two, mashed potatoes and gravy. Number three, stuffing. Number four, turkey. It's way down there. I don't care. And number five, any of the rolls you have. And cranberry sauce is like 972. That it's it's way down there. I don't want it. Period. At the end, you know, just I, I don't want it. At Sal Manila. What is the punchline to... Why is the punchline to every joke UW fans tell, I'm better than you? Because they think that. I don't know. <laughs> For what it's worth, I don't, I don't hear that very often from actual honest-to-God UW grads. So there's that. It's, you know. At Richard Lutz, what is the best way to get under a Husky fan's skin? Just remind them that they can't win the Pac-12 title. They can't go to the Pac-12 championship game. Did you know that? They can't go to the Pac-12 championship game. Can't do that. We're going to combine these two. At M. Hoagie, Matt Hoagland, what do you do on a Black Friday when the Apple Cup isn't on? And at WSU Brady 27, who needs to be fired for the continued scheduling idiocy of Pullman Apple Cups being moved to Fridays? Uh, what I do on a Black Friday, I relax. I don't shop. I watch football. I, I stay in the house. And who needs to be fired for it? I, I don't think anybody needs to be fired. We just, if you want the Apple Cup on a Friday, fine. When it's in Seattle infinitely easier when that game is in Seattle. It is so much easier. At Blanton Hal, Hal Blanton, what's your anti-anxiety cocktail of choice? 
I roll with Captain and Coke when I'm when I'm really anxious. It's basic. It's what I had in college, and for whatever reason, really helps. <laughs> it just it really helps. Uh, otherwise, uh, gin and tonic, heavy on the gin is what I like to do. At Aaron Han Media, Aaron Han, when you die, what food will be in your casket? It's based on an AP story about a guy in Philadelphia being buried with two cheese takes. <laughs> uh, Swedish pancakes. I would be buried with Swedish pancakes. That's my favorite breakfast food. It's delicious. If you don't know how to make them, I highly recommend finding out. It's just, it's just a, it's a Swedish crepe, but it is delicious. And I could, I, my world record for them is like I've had twelve at breakfast. I would be buried with Swedish pancakes. Another stressful Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you next week. Hopefully, Pac-12 Championship Week. You're on the Food Center. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.